0: The Australia Post scandal, Morrison turns to the states for the vaccine rollout, Lachlan Murdoch defends Tucker Carlson's conspiracy theories, and the good news is about trees and rhinos. This is The Week on Wednesday. Hello and welcome to the week on Wednesday. I am your co-host Ben Davison and with me as always is the ever delightful Van Baden. Van, how are you today?
1: Well I'd just like to wish you a happy birthday. It is Ben's birthday everyone so if you'd like to tag him into greetings on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, wherever he turns up, please let him know that he is having a happy birthday because he is the most wonderful person in the world.
0: Oh thank you Van, that's very very sweet and it's always good to be with you on my birthday and particularly
1: well given the fact we are a couple who live together i certainly hope so
0: <laughs> and it's particularly lovely to be with everyone who is listening to the week on wednesday on the first it's the first time i've had a birthday on the week on wednesday well there nice? you go yeah look at that the
1: universe is falling into place oh, by the true. way everybody ben is loving loving having a partner who's writing a book at the moment um, i just like to confess i'm in my writing dressing gown <laughs> i have uh what i would call cafe. Eyeball at the moment, and if I sound a little bit sharp, it's because the deadline's Friday.
0: Yes, indeed. So we should get on with it then because it has been a big week and there's still lots of things to talk about. So the first thing I think we need to talk about, Van, is the scandal that's engulfing Australia Post. Christine Holgate, of course, has given testimony to the Australian Senate, which has has really thrown the cat amongst the pigeons once again, hasn't it?
1: Yes. I think we all remember the the scandal that we were told had afflicted Christine Holgate, and we were definitely told it was a scandal, was the... That as CEO of Australia Post, she had rewarded some executives with the purchase of some really nice Cartier watches. And these watches were priced between like four and seven thousand dollars. And they were given as an executive gift after a process by which Australia Post had negotiated a number of business relationships with Australia's big four banks. Yes. Now Scott Morrison made quite a song and dance about this in the parliament and that this was outrageous and Christine Holgate had to go. Well, it turns out this scandal is not really about Cartier Watches,
0: is it, Ben? No, it's not. People may or may not be aware that the board of Australia Post is actually stacked with former Liberal MPs and Liberal apparatchiks. So, four of the nine board members are either former MPs, senators, or office holders within the Liberal Party.
1: One of them is Tony Nutt, who everybody will remember as winning unwinnable elections for the Liberals. He was the campaign director who who saved Malcolm Turnbull by one seat in 2016.
0: And, of course, the, this cabal of Liberal appointees, and you remember the Liberal government's been in power now for eight years. A lot of these appointments really are only three- or five-year terms, and so, of course, the Liberals have systemically gone through and replaced large numbers of appointees, not least of which is the Australia Post board. Now, this board of people oversees... Christine Holgate. Um, But of course, what's coming out now is that there was a secret report commissioned uh, and Boston Consulting Group uh, was brought on to look at the privatisation of big chunks of Australia Post. So
1: Australia Post is effectively something like 200 years old. Like mm. while, um, while there has been colonisation and European settlement in Australia, there has been a postal service. And it's a government-owned enterprise, obviously, because that's what you want you want to have a guarantee the reason why we have government services is to have a guarantee of services everybody needs to use the post so obviously like it's a government entity and they are responsible for the board appointments that being said australia post operates as a commercial enterprise Mm. it sells things it has shops it sells franchises uh, to operators who run your local post office this has been going on for years and years
0: and when when Kristen Holgate was forced out by Scott Morrison and the chair of the board, the licensed post office uh, owners, so this is the people who buy the franchises, all protested because she had done these deals that had seen the viability of their small businesses. just
1: clarified they protested in her favour. That's
0: right. They wanted her kept on. Um, but of course, her, her sort of political public execution um, was tied up in all of these other elements. So you had... Before the Cartier Watch scandal, in inverted commas, you had the chair of Australia Post refusing to front the Senate, uh, Di Bartolomo, who has now fronted the Senate uh, just this week uh, to defend himself against claims he should resign. Uh, But he was refusing to do so last year when Holgate was... um, was basically the only Australia Post person to go and answer questions in the Senate and then, as a result of that, was forced out by Morrison. Uh, You had at the same time, the AFR ran an editorial calling for the privatisation of Australia Post.
1: Oh, how surprising from the AFR calling uh, for privatisation. I know,
0: it's almost as if they have some kind of vested interest.
1: Yes, or some kind of weird ideological loyalty to completely outdated, discredited free market economics. (laughs) Crazy.
0: Hi, Michael. Hope you're listening. Um, So, uh, And of course, you had then this secret report from BCG, uh, Boston Consulting Group, talking about the privatization of the parcel delivery service and the financial services that post offices deliver. And at the same time, you had all of this um, Liberal Party pressure to cut on the services that people rely on. So the delivery services, people might remember there was quite... A uh, quite a kick-off among the postal workers that the the routes were changing, the delivery times were changing, the number of times people were getting mail delivered.
1: They were doing these alternative delivery schedules where they only delivered in certain areas every two days as opposed to every one day, and it was causing all of these logistical problems. And the union came out and went, our staff are being completely exploited, like everybody's exhausted, this is not running a service. The mail's being, not arriving on time. Ma- mail's not arriving. We're copping grief from... Clients and customers because of what are these external decisions? So what it what it appears to have happened, and this is the traditional story of privatisation. Oh. What genuine what generally happens is conservative governments love privatisation. It suits their whole um, ideology of the fact that pe- the the people. Um, within a democracy shouldn't have any commercial power. Mm. That the, the people shouldn't have the capacity to direct uh business behaviour through government. Mm. They genuinely believe this. They think that we're too grubby for that kind of
0: relationship. Yeah.
1: And don't deserve the power and authority of, you know, a commercial But capitalists
0: should run all the things.
1: Yeah, capitalists should run all the things. Because capitalists just make the best decisions because they mm. make them in capitalist mm. interest, which mm. is why the environment's doing so well. So um so that's unemployment uh, and wages. Yeah, wages and everything, the whole planet's falling apart. So that's what they they genuinely believe. Now, privatisation is consistently unpopular Mm. with the people, funnily enough, because it takes their power and their agency and their services away. And what we've learned in the past 40 years of this, you know, mania for privatisation... Which was very heavily pushed in the 70s and 80s. It was very difficult to find an economist who wasn't praising yeah. uh, privatisation. They were abs- they saturated treasury. Mm. Like, people talk about the Labor Party in the 1980s um, in Australia. The hawke keating government privatised mm. Commonwealth Bank and um, Qantas and some big Australian enterprises. Well, that was the advice that they were getting at the time. That this mm. is how you unshackled you know your government from you, you know like slow and economic behaviour and downturns and this is what everybody was told. I mean, we now know it was all garbage and it was about creating opportunities for the same kind of privileged, wealthy corporate rent seekers who run other corporations to grab up a bargain of essential services. Mm. The thing is that if you privatise something like a Commonwealth Bank or a national airline or a government insurance office or all these things, you essentially and this has certainly happened with electricity you buy these monopolies. These are services people have to use. Yep. It's very difficult to opt out of energy use in the modern <laughs> yeah, that's world. Right. Like there aren't a lot yeah. of holes left for hermits I mean, to live in. And
0: you could, I guess, go and hand deliver every letter, but you, you know you wouldn't want to have friends on the other side of the country.
1: Yeah, there's actually a Thomas Pinken book about this, but that's a, another story. Um, but the thing is that it's a bargain for corporations. Like mm. The only people who can afford to buy privatised uh, government entities are effectively other corporations. You, sometimes you have a couple of years, like with Telstra, when John Howard was telling yeah. us we were going to be the world's greatest share-owning democracy and everybody everybody was going to go from owning Telstra to owning shares in Telstra, yeah. which wasn't quite everybody. But this was, you know... And, of course, within a couple of years, those shares get sold. Yeah. You know, your average mum and dad shareholder, you know, they're not directing corporate policy and they get bought up and of course ownership goes to whoever can afford that kind of buy up mm. which is your traditional capitalist class and of course services get downgraded, the people have no democratic stake in how those essential services are run. We've seen the absolute disaster particularly with electricity mm. where you know the privatisation of electricity has been specifically blamed for instances of bushfires that came out in the Black Saturday mm. um, Royal Commission was that a failure to just do basic Maintenance, you know, and the running down of services in the interests of, you know, increasing profit margins were at fault in these fires that destroyed towns and killed people and it's always the same process mm. that in order for a for a tory government to get people to buy into the privatization myth because very fortunately that old you know economic framework has passed out of the social democratic and, and labor parties across the world for the most part mm. there are only few free marketeers who are really hanging on and everybody's sort of getting back to you know nice good big yeah. government principles but the the issue that you have is that that to get it through the people, you've got to create this argument that a corporation will come in and all of a sudden everything will be efficient and shiny and better. I mean, this is what we were told about Telstra. Mm. and You know, this is what we are told about the Commonwealth Bank Qantas and all these things that private operation will job just- Job network providers. Job network <laughs> providers, which are an absolute disgrace and disaster, aged care privatisation, yeah. private hospitals. We're told again and again and again, it'll be better. It'll be, you know, it'll be so professional and groovy and just- Cheaper. Uh, more clean efficient. Clean, yeah, efficient, effective, and it's all garbage. But the way that you make that argument is by running services down. Now, it very much appears, given the fact that this secret Boston Consulting Group re- like mm. report about preparing for privatisation has turned up, that Christine Holgate was, effect- was actually an extremely effective public servant mm. who came in, recognised that there were structural problems at Australia Post, and set about remedying them. Because that was her job. Yep. And the fact that you had these executives who'd managed to negotiate for the banks to still have financial provision run out of mm. post office. Like where we live, that's really important. Like we live in a Absolutely. small town, we're in a regional community where we can't have every bank's franchise on the main street because there's not enough street. And the post office is where people do banking and, and use those kind mm. of services. It brings people into the post office and it makes the franchised post offices a going concern. That's why the post office franchisees were desperately defending her when all of this mm. watch business kicked off. And it seems very much that the watches were just used as a pretext by the Liberals for getting rid of her so she would stop getting in the way of them deliberately running down the services so they could justify
0: privatising it. That appears very much to be what's going on. And it's and it's totally outrageous. And there's been a lot of focus on... Um the, the bullying of Christine Holgate and um, Morrison today said uh, that you know oh, it's not about gender it's about you know Use of public money. And, you know, it's so outrageous for him to say it's about the use of public money. This is a Mr. Man, sports Rorts. Oh, Sports Rorts. This is the man who was defending Leppington paying, Triangle? Yeah, paying, what was it, 10 times the going rate for a block of land?
1: Yeah, the Leppington Triangle is a piece of land in Western Sydney that was valued at $3 million and yet bought by the federal government for $30 million and the guy they bought it from just happened to be a mate.
0: You know, this sort of use of public money argument. Well, the use of public money would be much better done if it was done by public servants, not by boards stacked with Liberal Party hacks. That's the actual issue. And it's, frankly, Christine Holgate would have been within her rights under the arrangements that were in place, the the staffing arrangements that were in place, to pay those people, as I've read it, up to $150,000 in bonuses. Instead, she gave them $20,000 worth of watches. Do I think they should have got the watches? No, absolutely not. I don't think they should have. But that doesn't... Mean she should have been bullied from the bully pulpit of the prime ministership standing up at the dispatch box in Parliament House, slagging her out, slagging her out, saying she had to go. At the same time as the Prime Minister is doing that, he's defending ministers who have misused. And, and dare I say in some cases perhaps even misappropriated public money for their own purposes for political purposes you know I mean look at Andrew lamming Andrew lamming is a classic example you know Andrew lamming's not going to stand for not going to stand for the LMP at the next election but Andrew lamming did put himself forward for pre-selection now why did he do that why did he put himself forward for pre-selection why was he allowed to even go that far because if he didn't do it he wouldn't have got a hundred and five thousand dollar separation payment, which MPs are entitled to if they stand and lose uh, for re-election, or if they stand and don't get pre-selected again for re-election. So basically what's happened is the LNP, Scott Morrison and his party have signed off on a $105,000 payment to Andrew Lamming. Andrew Lamming, who's under investigation for taking photos up people's skirts. Hiding in bushes and photographing people. So apparently... apparently Picking it's, a fight with the Simpsons meme. Pie. So apparently it's... it's Good use of public money in Scott Morrison's mind that Andrew Lamming gets a hundred and five thousand dollars in cash.
1: But a group of Australia Post
0: executives who've done the right thing by and franchisees. Saved, and saved tens, if not hundreds, of millions of dollars.
1: And jobs. And jobs. Yes. Can't no, have Twenty thousand
0: dollars worth of watches. It's well. important.
1: I just want everyone to be aware, and Christine Holgate has provided the receipts for this. Those watches were not bought with public money. Taxpayer funding did not go towards the purchase. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah. So it was they were corporate gifts. Are they appropriate? Well, I'm not a huge fan of uh, corporate culture or the corporation um, given the fact that yeah. I am actually a socialist. However, within that context, she was employed to do a certain kind of job, she employed other people to do that job. She comes from a corporate professional corporate culture where that is, their standard cultural procedure, and that's what she did. She accounted for it. Yeah. She didn't spend taxpayer money, and the, the ultimate aim of what she had been doing, which was why those boards had been given, literally saved hundreds if not thousands of jobs, people's livelihoods through the um, franchising yeah. relationships they had, and services in places like, oh, where we live.
0: And I just feel like if, if Scott Morrison has such a bean in his bonnet about this, or had such a bee in his bonnet about this, Thank <sighs> why isn't he out there cancelling all of these contracts? Why isn't he out there cancelling the job network provider contracts? Why isn't he out there nationalising the banks? I'll tell you why. Because he doesn't care. He's actually trying to do the opposite. And he's using this, as you say, Van, as a smoke screen to say, oh, see, Australia Post, oh, they've got this really dodgy corporate culture. We should privatise them. <laughs> Sorry, what?
1: <laughs> yeah, they've got a dodgy corporate culture, so we're going to make sure they're 100% corporate. Yep, that'll work. Do you know what the solution is to bad capitalism, Benny? More capitalism, I reckon.
0: Oh, it's the same thing, isn't it? I'm just, yeah. Times are good, we have to have wage suppression. Times are bad, we have to have wage suppression. Times are good, we have to privatise things. Times are bad, we have to privatise things. If your solution to every situation is the same solution, you're not coming up with solutions, you're just a blind ideologue.
1: I was about to say that. Same thing. I'd like to point out that Ben and I have got so agitated talking about capitalism, the dog is crying. Can you give me just one moment? Sure Come thing. Here. Come, yeah.
0: Uh, continue, Benjamin. So, look, you know, I think it's I think it's really important that we remember that while while there is obviously a very personal issue in this for christine holgate and some of the testimony um it really goes to the nub of the personal impact on her um i'm and obviously we don't like to see anybody bullied in any circumstance that's not that's not okay there is a broader issue here um and there and Part of that issue is uh, about privatisation and part of that issue is about the ideology of the Morrison government. And I don't think there's been a lot of coverage on that as yet. I think there needs to be a better understanding of this. As I say, the AFR was writing editorials in October of 2020 calling for the privatisation of Australia Post. And
1: we know it's been a demand of the IPA, the Institute of Public Affairs, which is the Liberal Party think tank.
0: And we know it's happened in other countries and we know it's been a disaster in other countries. It's consistently a disaster. So we shouldn't be... Seriously,
1: if you've ever, like I have, spent more than half an hour on the phone to Telstra, you tell me privatization's fantastic.
0: So we shouldn't be blind to the individual suffering of Christine Holgate, and I don't want to diminish that but at the same time there is a bigger picture here that I think it's really important that we as the Australian public keep our focus on and that is the Morrison government has victimised this particular woman in order to further an agenda of privatisation of our public assets. Now talking about Scott Morrison being incompetent and a bit of a bumbling fool.
1: Bit of a theme. Bit
0: of a theme. Do you know what I we find? Have really a a a theme, th- we? we have a bit of a theme, we?
1: have a bit of a theme. It's very funny. I'd just like to have a shout out to my friend Tim, mm. who is apparently a fan of the podcast. Always good to know your friends are listening in. Who was like, I just think you two are so funny. <laughs> like, Van and Ben get agitated about capitalism in their shed. 45 minutes of golden comedy
0: every week. Every week. Well... Look, people will be aware that uh, the rollout of the COVID vaccine has been bungled uh, from you know the, the the furthest northern point of Australia to the the southern tip of Tassie, um, and everywhere in between. This is
1: also upsetting the dog.
0: And it upsets everyone. Like, frankly, we've been talking about this for weeks on the show, that the Morrison government was not doing what needed to be done in order to put in place the infrastructure to make this happen. GPs were warning that this was not going to happen in the way the Morrison government was saying it was going to happen. Uh, They had these targets. It's not that the targets were unrealistic. The targets were perfectly realistic if you bothered to put in place the infrastructure, if you had the manufacturing capacity up and running.
1: Which is what... they did in the United States and what they did in Great Britain like yes in those situations those countries were absolutely forced to by the sheer rate of infection to sort themselves out with the vaccination but it has been embarrassing Absolutely embarrassing how poorly the federal government has handled the vaccinations. Um, and I think we're all at the point where, do you actually think you're going to see a vaccination
0: anytime soon? I doubt it. I doubt that I'll be vaccinated in 2021, um, if I'm perfectly honest about it. Uh, you know, I've been concerned that winter has been coming, and it's interesting to see now how many tweets are saying winter is coming and there's no vaccine. We've had friends and, 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 and you know, distant family members question whether or not they should be getting the vaccine. Because because of those late night announcements about AstraZeneca. Uh, you know, it, it's all over the place. Today, Morrison has talked about having um, mass vaccination centres for people aged 50 to 70. Uh, I saw today that Bupa, which is the largest provider of privatised aged care in the country, has been given no plan for the vaccination of Great. its Right, Great, so not only are we going staff, to
1: privatise aged care, but we're not actually going to have a plan no. to deal with the aged care that we've privatised. Just walk away, because they're old. Yeah. They're just
0: old. The Australian Council of Trade Unions has written to the Prime Minister, I saw that today as well, saying, what's the plan? What are we, what's actually going to happen here? Um, they don't seem to have had a response uh, to their letter as yet. I
1: mean, they're just workers. Yeah. I mean, they're just and mean, this is, working
0: and, people. And this is the thing,
1: isn't so it? So we don't need to care about old people, and we don't need to care about working people. We're going to say something vaguely questionable about women, something to do with clots. You know, it's all, it's a disaster.
0: It's an absolute disaster. Up and down the country, It's a disaster. And and frankly, you know, he's now reaching for such straws as we're going, you know, going on a war footing, we're going on an operational footing. Uh, and 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 what does this mean? What is this, this war footing? What does it mean? He's going to have uh, twice a week, he's going to have national cabinet meetings, which basically means, Van, and, you know, Jump in if you think I'm on the wrong track here. But I read that as I'm gonna get the states to do it.
1: It sounds a bit like he's gonna get the states to do it. Just like he did with it. quarantine. Just like he did with the Commonwealth, which is federal government, responsibility of quarantine. Too hard, give it to the states, and then if something goes wrong, blame Daniel Andrews, because he is, of course, the representation of Satan on earth. Do
0: you think maybe the do you think he just goes into those national cabinet meetings and goes, look, we all know my government is full of incompetent uncles and failed third sons, right? Like, you wouldn't give us a second-hand car dealership. So I love do you the want you
1: guys to do it? We can use a sexist paradigm for that
0: because it's true. Yeah, that's right. And like, they are. They are the so failed So much merit, though, all those, yeah. all
1: those white boys. Oh, they just... Like, you just see the merit oozing from the Liberal government, don't you? All the merit that they, they show with, you know, like, above board commercial business, enterprise decisions, management, vaccines.
0: Have you got so the app? Melody. Have you got the app? Have you got the app? The app, you know. Do you want to develop an app? Uh, do you want to develop an app? Should we develop an app? Should we develop an app? Ask me about my app. Should yeah. we develop an app? I feel like if we knew someone in the Morrison government, we'd develop an app just to make a, you know, $20 million. Yeah. You know? So if anybody does know someone in the Morrison government and wants to help us make $20 million. Do you want to develop so, an app? Yeah. Do you want to develop an app? Like, this is, this is the ridiculousness of the situation. Like, it is genuinely ridiculous. How we're so grumpy about it. Oh, Because it's, A, it's people's lives. B, it's millions and millions of our dollars, and collectively, I mean, our Commonwealth dollars. And then C, the guy has the gall to stand up there and attack people like Dan Andrews and Anastasia Palaszczuk and Mark McGowan, who are actually, you know, protecting people, developing their economies, like as though somehow or another doing the right thing is the wrong thing and doing the wrong thing is the right thing because in Scott Morrison's upside down version of the world the one where
1: he thinks he was actually qualified to be prime minister like, as opposed to unbelievably lucky yeah.
0: you know it's just the the fail up that this man has experienced in his life
1: he, and, that's a really good way of putting it he he is a fail up he is a fail up man he's the fail up king he
0: is the fail up king and now you know, he, and he's and he's stumbled. The one thing he's got, right? The one thing he's clicked onto is gone, you know what? I can't do this job, obviously. <laughs> My ministers not up to the task whatsoever. I mean, please. I've had to recycle Michaelia Cash. And have you seen Mikaali Cash do anything? She's a just a loony churn. Just a loony churn. So, you know, Mikaali Cash is is a top performer in that government, tells you all you need to know. But you know what does work? Every time I outsource something to the States, they seem to care about whether or not their people die. I mean, (laughs) crazy, crazy sort of view. Socialists. Yeah. Let's get the socialists to do it. (laughs) And then we'll bag them for it. Brilliant. (laughs) Like, you can imagine them, the 35 personal secretaries to the assistant personal secretary to the prime minister. Doesn't
1: he have, like, 200 media people? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: All sitting around in that office in the lodge going, oh, brilliant prime minister, brilliant prime minister, brilliant prime minister. You know, like, it's just... Ben is doing
1: a lot of pen oh, thumping. That's what that noise is. Ben keeps sorry. throwing his pen. Sorry, folks. At his notebook. No, but it is. It is out. It is outrageous. And look, I I think Australians are waking up to it. I think that. I think genuinely. You know, I'm 46 years old. I've been through a lot of different election cycles and a lot of different political moments, not only in this country, but in others. And my hard-earned wisdom is that people vote for essentially two issues, security in their employment and security in their their retirement. That's really what people make decisions around. Scott Morrison's clown show with vaccinations and just about everything else I think is eroding the trust that swing voters did put behind the Liberal government. And they were making their decision. Mm. I think a lot of people got spooked by things like um,
0: by some of the lies.
1: Let's just leave it at By some of the lies, <laughs> you know, like like let's not even go through through them. But the liberals are very good at running scare campaigns about economic security. They are. They're really yeah. good at it. But now it's just like, what do jobs or retirement look like in a pandemic-affected world with a government that cannot organise a vaccine schedule?
0: And you know, here's some good news that. I think is worth sharing, is that the the latest essential uh, report published in The Guardian, that very good uh, paper of note, um, show that you're right, actually, because 42% of people believe that Morrison has is to blame. Morrison is failing to roll out the vaccine. 24% of people still think there's a supply chain issue, and 18% of people think there's a production issue. Now there are undoubtedly some issues with supply chains right yep, and there his responsibility but they, that's exactly right like <laughs> you forecast if the ceo if the ceo of a company rocked up at an agm and went well we had supply chain issues so it's not my fault i'll take my bonus now thanks goodbye like, they'd throw chairs at him it's not it's not Okay, to go. Oh well, there was a supply chain issue, mate. It's your job to foresee that. It's your job to you know, put in place. And there are some
1: very competent people around. If you're looking for a person who can maybe run like a a national strategy of like, uh, you know, supply mm. maintenance, really compre- comprehensive, integrated systems to do with, say, delivery. Oh, I mean, I hear Christine Holgate. Christine Holgate. needs a job. Oh, there
0: you go. <laughs> Wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't that be that? You know, that's that's one way of you know b- fulfilling their obligation. To pay her contract, perhaps. Healing the breach. Healing the breach. And of course, on production, we know that the issue with production is that the Morrison government has gutted manufacturing in this <laughs> country. <laughs> totally gutted it. So, frankly. <laughs> what are we gonna
1: ne- why do we need to make things? We don't need to make things.
0: Well, do you wow, we're going?
1: bitter today. It's your birthday. It's my birthday. We well, that's be- why
0: I'm having such a rant. Because you know, the other thing about... Let me just stay on production for a moment. Two other points I want to raise about production. We've talked about them before. One, we talked about fuel security. And, and our good old mate, Angus Taylor, former... Big Four Consulting Director Angus Taylor, who did that great deal securing our fuel security by having a depot in the United States. Sorry, Angus, we've just proven that you can't get vaccines from Europe here when we have a pandemic. You're really going to get fuel from the US in the time of war? Like, these people are not competent. So that's, that's a big issue, I think. This whole concept of supply chain and production Just comes back to their ideological position overriding the reality of lived experience and and economic transaction that everybody else has to go through every day. Material reality, Ben. Oh, it just drives me up the wall. (laughs) Anyway, so look, we could have made vaccines here, but Morrison decided not to invest in that. When we could have had a secure supply chain, but you know, frankly, he was busy scoring points, um, you know, by sucking up to Trump and, you know, having a crack at our other allies, um, and failing to engage with the reality that maybe maybe if Europe's still 40 million vaccines short they're not going to want to send them to us like I don't I don't begrudge them that frankly I think that's an entirely foreseeable outcome so Look, we'll see what happens. The the mass vaccination centres, they're talking... Again, there's no timeline. There's no... You know, he went on Facebook. The Prime Minister who said, oh, don't don't get your advice from Facebook, made an announcement exclusively on Facebook because he didn't want to front journalists. Anyway, he had no timeline for when everyone would be vaccinated. He has no timeline for when the max, mass vaccination centres will open. Uh, the GPs have still not been informed about what it means for them. There are 4,000 GP clinics now where they're supposed to be rolling up vaccines. Some have spent tens of thousands of dollars on storage facilities for vaccines and got, you know, as, as few as 20 vaccines, apparently. Um I know that pharmacies, many pharmacies are in the same boat, that they were supposed to be vaccine centres, they've been dealing with people, angry people on the phone. I do urge people to be kind to one another when you're calling up. I know you're frightened and I know you want your vaccine um, and I know often you're doing it on behalf of elderly parents. but you know, don't yell at the receptionist at the GP clinic. No,
1: yell at Scott Morrison. Yeah, he deserves it. Yeah,
0: frankly, it's not it's not the receptionist's fault. It's not the pharmacist's fault. They're doing what they can. You know, they they don't they literally they don't make the medicine. They also don't set the policy about how the medicines are made or where they're made. And that Scott Morrison is responsible for that. So, look. Uh, <sighs> <laughs>
1: We'll ben see is, what happens. Ben is
0: currently cuddling the dog who is oh. all over the shop today. <laughs> anyway, so on my birthday, we still have no vaccine. Winter is still coming. And uh, anyway, we'll see what happens. Van, uh, we need to talk about another topic. Do
1: you um, want to talk about a few anti-Semitic conspiracy theories?
0: Because, you know, they're out there. And let, let me start by saying we do not endorse or support any anti-Semitic uh, conspiracy no, theories. No, we are,
1: we are quite opposed to anti-Semitism in this house. Very opposed. I'm very proudly
0: op- opposed to it. And And you might think that that would be something that almost any media outlet, I mean, we're a small media outlet at that, but you would think major media outlets would be able to make that same statement. But Van, um, tell me, how, how would the Murdoch empire go with making that statement right now?
1: It's funny you should ask me that, Ben, because Tucker Carlson, who is a uh, primetime star of Fox News in the United States, Fox News, of course, being the mouthpiece of the Murdoch Empire in the United States and, you know, not so fair and balanced as much as just screamingly right-wing, Tucker Carlson uh, does this show. It's one of the most watched cable shows in America where he tells the Fox faithful what they want to hear. And, uh, yes, so on the 8th of April, he was having a discussion about immigration, which is, of course, a favourite right-wing talking point. Um, Joe Biden has, of course, come in as president, is doing all these amazing things. He's talking about raising minimum wage. He wants, like, this multi-trillion dollar infrastructure project that will basically rebuild American jobs. He's pro-union. People like it. Like, he's he's really going a lot further, a lot faster than I think a lot of people in his own party thought he would do when Mm. they were like, oh, you know, he's the conservative candidate, as it is, not so. Um, so the right are kicking off uh, border wars. Oh, you know, the Mexicans are coming, they're coming, they're coming in the middle
0: because, of the night. Because Joe Biden has had the goal to release Unaccompanied children from the cages that they were put in by Donald Trump.
1: Yeah, and cages. You know, and trying to keep families together. And obviously desperate people do turn up at the border of the United oh. States. The land of the free, the home of the brave. Something Semi-huddled masses, huddled masses yearning yeah, that, to breathe free. Yeah, yeah, the huddled masses yearning to breathe free. Yeah, that, that place yeah. where you're supposed to be able to emigrate and get an opportunity. Yeah. So the right have kicked off. And Tucker Carlson, of course, is like, well, they've lost control of the border, blah, blah, blah had another conservative called Mark Stein who was on the other night. We we're talking about immigration. And I think I'm just going to read the the quote from from Carlson. He and went
0: I wanna say before you do, I just want to say I apologise in advance to anyone who's offended by what you're about to hear because undoubtedly and I haven't heard it, but undoubtedly it will be offensive because Tucker Carlson is an offensive individual who says offensive things.
1: Oh yeah. This is the quote. I know that the left and all the little gatekeepers on Twitter become literally hysterical if you use the term replacement, if you suggest that the Democratic Party is trying to replace the current electorate, the voters now casting ballots with new people, more obedient voters from the third world. But they become hysterical because that's what's happening, actually. Let's just say it that's true. Now, the reason why this is a very big problem is not only because it's like screamingly racist and paranoid, but it's part of an established theory on the far right called the Great Replacement Theory. And effectively, how the Great Replacement Theory goes is that there's a secret conspiracy to take out, you know, white conservative Christians Mm -hmm. by flooding Western countries with immigrants from elsewhere, Mm -hmm. and that this will destroy the white race and replace white supremacy with you, you know this this multicultural behemoth, these dirty beasts who racists look down upon, and the architects, because the just to explain to people, so I do a lot of study about the far right because yeah. they're genuinely terrifying, and I never ever want them to be in any power ever, and the it, they can't quite ideologically square how because they're white supremacists how people of colour could who they consider inferior could possibly or against them. Mm. So traditionally and they've been doing this for a couple of thousand years, they blame the Jews because the Jews use the cover of whitishness to be sneaky and sneak all of these other people in and take over. And Fox News is notorious for dog whistling to these extremely hardcore established far right sentiments. So things like the war on Christmas that mm. Fox News talk about all the time, oh, you can't even say Merry Christmas anymore it comes from an anti-Semitic trope that was pushed by people like Henry Ford in the 1920s Um, that was about how, you know, evil Jews were conspiring to get rid of Christmas and, you know, it was just part of the plan to flood everybody in. And they call it the Great Replacement Theory. The idea that somebody who fronts a primetime news show on what calls itself a news network in America speaking to some of the most despicable, anti-Semitic, white supremacist, hardcore racist myths in in the history of Western civilization, like, that person should be fired. Yeah. And the Anti-Defamation League, which is an international Jewish organisation mm. that polices this stuff, um, just wrote to the Murdochs and said, he's got to go. Yeah. Like, this is not... Endurable, yeah. Like this kind of this is beyond a dog whistle. This yeah. is like ear popping, screaming, yeah. and it it cannot this is, stand. This
0: is this is on the platform at Nuremberg. This is the kind of thing that is just totally unacceptable.
1: It's, yeah, it, it is totally unacceptable and should not be part of mainstream discourse. Absolutely. Like just, it's just not. It's not legitimate. It's not real. It's crazy, paranoid, far right, white supremacist yeah. stuff. Have I underlined my point?
0: I think we uh, yeah yeah. So what? So what did Lachlan Murdoch, the, the the great son of Rupert, the 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 you know the the torchbearer for the the new era of the empire? What did he do?
1: The heir to the Murdoch Empire, the man who, when his father dies, is going to be the most powerful media mogul on earth. That guy.
0: It's amazing, isn't it? That all it takes to be the most powerful media mogul on earth is to have somebody die.
1: Yeah. All, all it takes is to <laughs> is to be someone's son. That's it. Like don't have to don't have to earn it. Don't have to build it. Don't have to fight for it. You just have to inherit it well Lachlan said that this is no problem why is everybody being so weird like Tucker Carlson doesn't really believe in the great replacement theory not really so why are you why are you criticizing us literally wrote back to the ADL who said that guy's got to be fired and went but you guys gave my dad a medal once
0: but you guys gave my dad a medal once. yes yeah, that was literally defense
1: and it's they have, there are rumours about... Did
0: they give Tucker Carlson's dad a medal? I'm just... I doubt it. The fish
1: finger king. Because you know Tucker Carlson, by the way, I just... This is... <laughs> Tucker Carlson is from a family who's, you know, the working... Yeah, speaks yeah, for yeah. the conservative working no, class yeah, in America. Yeah, yeah. He's the heir to a fish finger of fortune. A he's fish yeah, yeah. He's fortune. His, he's, his family made Macbillions in... Um, in food production. They, right. they literally sell frozen fish products right. and are totally, totally, like, obscenely wealthy. Yeah. Tucker Carlson, before he was, you know, the man of the people on Fox, was just your kind of standard
0: uppity, preppy... Yeah.
1: Um, you know, like You're talk listening show to this? Panelist. And you work in
0: a fish finger factory? I don't know if you work in a Carlson family fish finger factory or not, <laughs> but I'm gonna. I, I'm talking. I'm talking to everyone who works in fish finger factories. Unionize. <laughs> demand more. Demand yeah. more.
1: But Tucker Carlson was famous for this sort of preppy look he used to have with a little bow tie that he used oh, to yeah. wear and talk about how poor people were bad and and things. And this is the discussion, and it is genuinely terrifying because what we've seen is this rhetoric that Fox News. And we get it in Australia through Sky After Dark as well. You know, mm. this you, you, amped up, keep them scared, keep them frightened. On, on, I can tell you this for a fact. They call it red meat. Oh, we'll throw a bit of red meat at the audience and get them really amped up. You know, because angry, frightened people are more susceptible to advertising. I'm right. sure that's just a coincidence. But, but you know, these, these antics have gone on in that media community for so long that... It's it's we're now in crazy far right paranoid conspiracy theory white supremacist territory, and he should be
0: fired. Absolutely. And can I just come back to your point about Lachlan Murdoch saying he doesn't. But you gave really... my dad a
1: middle uh, one. Well,
0: I mean that's that in itself is nonsense. That's a total and you know it's a total nonsense. The 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 good deeds of the past do not make up for the evil deeds of the future. That's not how it works, right? But the, and more to the point. You know, saying, oh, Tucker Carlson doesn't really believe this, you know, that's even worse. That, that is even worse. That That's not a defense to go on television and talk to, in his case, literally millions of people and say something that you don't believe, to say something that is about belief to people who are wanting to. To know. But who we, are wanting to understand.
1: But we keep seeing this in America. The right keep on in the media, keep using this as a defense. So Alex Jones, who runs InfoWars, which is yeah. this crazy far right conspiracy network where they, you know, accuse Hillary Clinton of eating children yeah, and, yeah, 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 yeah. you know, that, and that kind of stuff. When they've been sued for defamation, InfoWars pushed the whole Sandy Hook, the mass murder of five year olds yeah. was, oh, it was a false flag. There yeah, were price yeah. attractors. None of this really happened. It was just about taking your guns away. They were sued for defamation. Information and Alex Jones's defence in court was that he was just playing a character. No reasonable person could possibly believe what he was doing was true. The same with Sidney Powell. Sidney Powell was the lawyer who ran the crazy Trump lawsuits yeah. about the election. She's being sued for over a billion dollars in defamation by Dominion, who make voting machines. She had gone around the country going, oh, it's all corrupt, and Dominion are corrupt, and they are run by the evil ghost of Hugo Chavez, the former like leader of Venezuela. Like, totally. And her defence has been no reasonable person would believe what I was saying. Was true, and yet there are millions and millions and millions and millions of Americans and Australians and British citizens and people all over the world who do believe what they see on a news show that's presenting itself as news with people dressed as newscasters yeah. is true. Well, they and call these and kind is of Fox News and these kind of theories are getting out amongst the well, Tucker. Yeah, good on you. You're not like
0: it is absolutely obscene and it does require in my view, some form of media regulation. Yes. and, And frankly, you know, people, we need to, we do need to question where people are finding their information from because, and we should say, well, you know, Fox News is a satire site. Did you see that on the the, the Batuta Advocate? Yeah. On, that's a satire
1: site. Uh, Fox News. Tucker Carlson Talks Garbage is, yeah, like, like, that's an appropriate. a site. Or factory nonsense from wealthy far-right individuals. Oh, like,
0: Sky News. Yeah, yeah, no, that's a satire site. Like, these are. A comedy I mean, programs. They're not very good comedy programs. No, the characters isn't... are a little wooden. <laughs> the, Poor old Rowan Dean. just not very yeah, funny. Yeah, the scripting is a bit, well, you know, they just don't have the improvised but skills. you can
1: it, Yeah, it's it's genuinely terrifying, given the enormous power that Lachlan Murdoch, through no fault of his own, is going to inherit.
0: Well, yes. So yes, Jeremy. Solidarity. Upsetting. Solidarity to all those who have to deal with and are negatively impacted by that. Van, let's have some good news. Uh, we're coming up towards the end of our podcast for the week. So, what is some good news?
1: Did you know that um, no rhinos were poached in Kenya last year? Woohoo! It's the first year uh, in in a while that. that that hasn't happened, um, which is really great news. Also, the rhino population in Nepal has recovered from 2017 levels by 16%. um, In Nepal? In Nepal. Yeah, I didn't even know there were rhinos. So for
0: those like me who didn't know there were rhinos in Nepal, not only are there rhinos in Nepal, there are more now than there were in 2017.
1: Yeah. So we're looking at... um, we're looking at how, and this is a theme I keep coming back to: conservation and habitat protection if it's They pay off, and if we want to save these animals, we can. Absolutely. And it's about directing energy and resources towards it. But the the environment is is there for us. Yeah. Like if we want if we want to preserve these animals, we can do it. There are strategies and ways
0: of doing that. That makes me happy. And a shout out to my favourite uh, centre back from Kenya, Pete D'Souza. Hope you're listening, Pete. <laughs>
1: Um, the other thing that's making me very happy is Saudi Arabia. Not not necessarily I'm a... always high uh,
0: on our list of favourite uh, countries, no,
1: is it? No, given the whole...
0: Well, so many things. Let's yeah, not go that. Let's quite, stay on the good
1: news. Staying on the good news. Staying on the good news. Don't talk about the dismembered journalist. Um, oh, do did, talk about the fact that Saudi Arabia, one of the world's um, most obviously uh, committed oil-producing nations has oil. got a bit of an environmental problem, like a fairly massive one. It's a massive uh, desert that
0: burns a lot of oil. Yep. Yes,
1: a massive desert that burns a lot of oil and also creates dust storms.
0: Yeah, that's not great.
1: It's very difficult to run an economy if you're covered in like covered in dust, yeah. basically. Saudi Arabia is committing to becoming 50% powered by renewables in the next 10 years.
0: In the next ten years, in the next ten by years, twenty thirty one,
1: end of the decade, they have said. Wow. Yeah, and because they're so con- the you know the environmental concern has become so intense, they're pursuing like a pan Middle East strategy, working with other um with other nations. Yep. Um, to plant fifty billion trees, it's the largest tree planting effort in history.
0: Because a lot of people may not be aware that there was. There was a time in human history where, where... it was called the Fertile Crescent. Yeah, it was yes. called the Fertile Crescent. Mesopotamia, the, it was the, the cradle of human civilization because that's where we first had agriculture, you know, like that whole area.
1: Hanging there. guns of Babylon required yeah. a bit of gardening, yes. Yeah,
0: like, you know, these, sure, there was some natural climate change along the way as well, but yeah, the, the desert and the burning of all the oil probably hasn't helped. Um well, this is great news. It's to- 50 billion it's, trees and a commitment. Did you say, to, to what was it, to
1: zero?
0: To, to 50%. 50% renewable energy. In the next 10 years. Yeah, that's Saudi Scott Arabia. Saudi and I'm Arabia. just like. Saudi Arabia, like, Scott Morrison. It's completely, Saudi completely Arabia. confronting. Yeah. And I just want to put this in. Matt Canavan just must be just chewing on a lump of coal over it, right? Isn't
1: like that he, what, just what he argh, does? You know, yeah. with the coal dust sprinkled so lovingly on his face. No, I, it's amazing. It's yeah. literally amazing. Some of the details are a little sketchy.
0: Yeah, as you might expect.
1: So there was an announcement and everybody's now okay that's a great announcement what's the plan but it's not like Saudi Arabia doesn't have the resources to this run a project true. that size I mean it's a very wealth is very concentrated yeah it but is. that but that wealth is immense
0: and when you have such concentrated wealth if you do decide to do something you can
1: like plant 50 billion trees yeah
0: and I mean this is a country that You know, when it makes an announcement, it usually... Well, not usually, but it often doesn't have a plan, and then it hires a bunch of the world's best... At whatever that thing is. And
1: pays them lots of money
0: to enact it. And actually does it, yeah.
1: As anybody who has followed the history of international football in the Middle East can say
0: with, <laughs> yeah, exactly with some right.
1: conviction. That's so, exactly yeah, right. so I think that's good news about rhinos. We can resuscitate rhino populations. We, The environment will love us back if we love it. Yeah. Um, but also tree planting in Saudi
0: Arabia, amazing. Fantastic. Well, folks, that is the week on Wednesday. It really for is the week on Wednesday. April 14 my Happy birthday Happy birthday to you <laughs> um, Thank Happy you so much for listening We continue you. to be Happy birthday
1: Aww. to Benjamin Happy birthday to you you. Thank
0: you, Vanny. We continue to be right up there in terms of the listening charts for politics and for news. We love it. Uh, please do remember to share our podcast wherever you uh, can. Every Sorry.
1: time our podcast outrates Andrew
0: Bolt's, a fairy gets its wings. That's right. And we are we are right up there uh, slugging it out with the likes of Steve Bannon and some of these other right wing cranks. So please do put people onto us. Mm. Help us uh, crush them. And if you've got a friend or a relative who maybe needs to shove in the right direction or, as we like to say, in the left direction, make sure they're listening to The Week on Wednesday. <laughs> love you, Vanny. I love you too.
1: Happy birthday.
0: Bye. Bye. Bye.